you with my friend. I'm coming. Hi. I'm Leanne. This is Gail. Hi. We... Ah, can I clap? Oh, come on. Cheer. Gail. Yeah. <laughs> come on. <laughs> this morning, um, we're going to meet two remarkable women, not us, two other remarkable women, um, who played important roles in the Christmas story. And they're two very different women, and they both were unexpected mums. Um, that in itself is remarkable, but that's not what we found remarkable about these two women. And this morning, we're going to share with you um, their stories and why we found them com compelling. And basically, the word humility, well, you'll hear it a lot this morning. Um, in a moment, David's going to come and he's going to re read most of Luke chapter 1, which is where we find these stories. And just before he starts reading, just to give you a little idea of the setting at the time of this story is, nobody has heard from God in 400 years. It's been quite quiet. And then the story you're about to hear, the two conceptions of the, with these two women is the start of the Christmas story. It's the start of, the, of God putting himself into the earth, into the story of, of mankind and um, these people, these women, Mary and Elizabeth, are the vessels for that. And it's an amazing story. So I'm going to hand over to David. In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife Elizabeth was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. <coughs> But they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive, and they were both very old. Once, when Zechariah's division was on duty and he was serving as priest before God, he was chosen by lot, according to the custom of the priesthood, to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time for the burning of incense came, all the assembled worshippers were praying outside. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense, when Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. He will be a joy and a delight to you, and, and many will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Zechariah asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? I am an old man and my wife is well along in years. The angel said to him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I have been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and will, not, and will not be able to speak until the day this happens because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah and wondering why he stayed so long in the temple. When he came out, he could not speak to them. They realized he had seen a vision in the temple, for he kept making signs to them, but remained unable to speak. When his time of service was completed, he returned home. After this, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and for five months remained in seclusion. 
The Lord has done this for me, she said. In these days he has shown his favor and taken away my disgrace among the people. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and will give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be? Mary asked the angel. Since I am a virgin, the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month, for no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leapt in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. Thanks, David. Good job. Aren't they two really cool stories? No? Yes, they are. Yes, thank you, Gail. Thank you. I thought they'd all fallen asleep there. (laughs) Um, In this account in Luke, these are two women who loved God and whose faith and obedience led them to be used in an amazing way. One, to be the mother of John, a prophet, and one to be the mother of the Messiah, the King, the Christ, the Savior. And even though these two pregnancies are huge, life-shaping, world-shaping events, God used very ordinary, humble, faithful people. And this is a theme that God uses throughout mankind, and it hasn't stopped. And as we were talking about these these stories and unexpected Christmas, we realized that, you know what? We are a room full of ordinary, humble, faithful, God-serving people, and God can do God-sized shaped things through us. So have you got the slide there, Nathan, with our big idea? Oh, no, not that one. Is there one that says the role... This is our big idea, and the one we'd love you to walk away with today. The role God gives us in his story will always stretch us in a way that requires us to rely on him and his people in humility. If we could accomplish it on our own, it wouldn't be God's story. And we have two characters today, Elizabeth and Mary, that walked this earth just like we are and got used in amazing ways, but did it with such humility that they're such an example to us. And today, I'm just going to talk a little about Elizabeth's story, Gail's going to talk about Mary's, because when we were reading through these um, passages, 
I really resonated with Elizabeth and Gail really resonated with Mary and it's amazing how God uses stories to talk to us differently and um, both importantly, I think, in, in what we have to say today. So Elizabeth's story, who was she? Now, I apologize to anyone who's in the 80s, but she was very old. That's what the Bible says. Like, they're the words that got used. Um, and, whoa, sorry. See, I shouldn't say very old, should I? Um, and her name meant oath of God. She was a wife of a priest. She also was the daughter of a priest. She was from the line of Aaron. That tribe were priests. That was their job. Her, her heritage was priests. She was doubly good, doubly sanctified, being in the line of a priest, married to a priest. This is a woman who um, knew the law inside out, who knew what God required of her. And in verse 6, it said, both her and her husband were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. Now, I don't know about you, I would like someone to say that about me at the end of a day, a single day, not like in my 80s, that I was blameless and I followed the the Lord's decrees to the letter. Um, Despite all of this, and it seemed as as if she should be blessed, she was barren and she was childless. Now, there's no connection there. God did not um, punish people with barrenness. There's maybe one situation where he temporarily did that to some women in the Old Testament to sort of help them see their way. But this just was Elizabeth's state. She just was childless. And it was very hard in those times to be childless. There is so many verses in the Old Testament about children being a blessing, the crown of um, the grandparents. Um, what, el- what else is there? There's... Um, It talks about having a quiver of children. Um, I know there's some people here with quivers, (laughs) and I'm very in awe of them. Um, But yeah, the children bring blessing because if you can raise them to love God and serve God, it brings honor to you as a parent. And Elizabeth was in a, a, a town where she was well regarded. People knew who she was. She was the wife of a priest, and yet Um, there was disgrace, social disgrace that came with not having children. But she was so faithful. She did not let that stop her walk with God. She continued to be faithful, to trust him. And that, to me, is amazing. I I can imagine, I don't ever want to put words in Elizabeth's mouth, but I'm sure there was a lot of nights where she asked God why, you know, and asked, why is this my path? Why is this the plan for my life? But she remained faithful, and 80 years on, blameless and following all the Lord's commands and well-regarded and loved by her town. Um, but as part of knowing God's word, she knew the Savior was coming. Even though God hadn't spoken, hadn't gave any message to confirm that the Messiah was going to come in her lifetime, she was waiting. She was ready. She knew that verse in Isaiah that said, the virgin will be the child, will be with child and will give birth to a son and call him Emmanuel. She knew that she needed to be ready for that. It could come at any moment. And so when Gabriel turns up and tells her husband, you're going to have a baby, which just must have been mind-blowing in itself, Part of that message was, and he's going to prepare the way for the Messiah. She knew this was going to be part of the plan that they had all been waiting for. And I just can't even imagine how she processed all that information in one moment um, when she found out that that was going to happen to her. Then this story jumps forward six months. 
she's six months pregnant. She's had six months to plan and, and think about and have really sore back and really sore ankles, puffy ankles, all the things that come with being pregnant. I can't even imagine what that's like when you're 80 years old. But she had spent time, I'm sure, with God. She had spent time searching the word and, and getting ready for what was going to come next. And along comes Elizabeth, I mean Mary. Along comes Mary. Also telling her a story that she heard from Gabriel, that she heard from an angel, that God told her she was going to be the bearer of the Messiah. Now, I don't know if you realize this, but they think Mary was about 13 years old at the time when this happened. So you have an 80-year-old woman and a 13-year-old girl telling each other the same story about an angel telling them that they're going to be the mothers of a prophet and the Messiah. And I don't know. I, <laughs> I can't even process what that conversation would have been like, that moment would have been like. But we're talking two faithful, humble, ready-to-do-anything-for-God people who in that moment realized that they had heard from God and they were going to be used. And I, I mean, now we have lost a little bit of, in our culture, the respect for elders, and um, I, I wish there was some more of that back. But in this time, for a 13-year-old to tell an 80-year-old that, or, you know, have news about carrying a baby that's of even more importance than the 80-year-old Elizabeth's baby, who in itself was a huge miracle. It just was a very loaded and mixed situation of culture being turned on its head, um, of just norms being blown apart by God. And yet, Elizabeth's response to her is so amazing. And this is the part that really spoke to me. Is In verse 42, she, said, she cried out with a loud voice and said, Blessed among women are you, Mary. Blessed is the fruit of your womb. And now, how has it happened to the mother of that the mother of my Lord should come to me? She already recognized that this baby in Mary's belly was her savior, her Lord. She's looking at this 13-year-old girl and saying, you are carrying my savior. She knew the Old Testament so well. She knew the promises that God was going to fulfill, and she was so excited. She said, for behold, when the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby leaped in my womb for joy. Blessed is she who delivered that there would be a fulfillment of what had been spoken to her by the Lord. Yeah, that just blows my mind for her to have such humility to be able to stand there in that moment and be there for Mary and be willing to say, I am so blessed because you came with my Lord and, and, and sought me out. Um, I was listening to a sermon about this story, and I just wanted to read you a quote from that because I just think it sums this up so beautifully. Um, it says, this, this blessing from Elizabeth is a hymn of blessing, a hymn of praise. It pronounces a blessing on Mary. It pronounces a blessing on the child of Mary. It pronounces a blessing on Elizabeth. And it pronounces a blessing in the end on everybody who believes God's word. And that's where, where um, Elizabeth says at the very end there, um, Sorry, I'm going to go back to the verse so I get it right. She believed that there would be a fulfillment of what has been spoken to her by the Lord. We can believe that. We can believe that there is going to be a fulfillment of every promise God has spoken to us in his word. There's a humility there because Elizabeth has just been told that her son would be great, but not that great. Her son would be the forerunner of the Messiah, but Mary's son would be the Messiah. 
Elizabeth acknowledges the superiority of her young relative's privilege. She acknowledges that Mary is even a greater beneficiary of God's goodness, and she is going to have a greater calling and a greater privilege and a greater child. That sort of went against the grain of normal traditional perspectives, sort of a reversal of the normal social convention. Here, is the old, here the older is less than the younger, the older gives greater honour to the younger, and Mary's privilege is greater than Elizabeth's, as Jesus will be greater than John. But Mary is the truly blessed, and Elizabeth knows it. And Elizabeth is the righteous woman who is equally thrilled at the prospect, not only of bearing the forerunner of the Messiah, but that the, of the Messiah who is coming. Elizabeth acknowledges this as she acknowledges the baby as her Lord. I just think that is who I want to be. <laughs> I want to be that Elizabeth. Um, I grew up in a house where um, I, I feel like I've known and loved Jesus since I was born, which I know you can't say that, but I tech, that's, and my great-grandfather was a traveling preacher. I have a heritage similar to Elizabeth, but I am a very... Um, strong, bossy, opinionated person, <laughs> and I feel like I've been like that since I was young. My brother and sister spent their whole childhood saying, you're not the boss of me, and then I think when I got to a teenager and had very heated family discussions around the table, I, I feel like my parents said to me, you're not the boss of me. I've been in meetings, at, at, in work situations and in ministry situations where I get so frustrated and so impatient with people, and I just tell them how it's going to happen, and I feel like they probably say, you're not the boss of me. And um, I'm sure if God played tape recordings of my prayers when I was younger, um, he would say, you're not the boss of me. <laughs> because I feel like that's... Um, and I'll give you an example. I spent six months in Papua New Guinea on a, um, teaching in a school um, as a mission, on a mission base. And at the end of the six months, they asked if I would like to stay or, you know, and I would have loved to have stayed. I thought it was awesome. I was having the best time of my life. But I said to God, you know what, I've looked around the highlands of Papua New Guinea and I think it could be pretty hard for you to find me a husband here. I think if I go back to Australia, you've got a much better chance. Uh, this is me talking to the God of the universe, telling him that he can't orchestrate that for me in the highlands of, you know... The, you know, he, he said, I'm not the boss, you're not the boss of me, yeah. That's, I mean, that's how I feel I approached um, a lot of stuff when I was younger, especially because I was very zealous and I was very um, willing to do whatever, but it had to be on my terms and had to be how I thought it was going to happen, and I feel like I spent a lot of years um, telling God what to do, and I feel like if I was Elizabeth and childless and for all those years, and I was following the laws to the nth degree, I would have had a lot of times I would have been telling God that he got it wrong and that he should have provided a baby for me and that, you know, I could have done this with 10 kids. Give me 10 kids. I'll send them out. You know, I'll do whatever. Like, I would have spent a lot of time. And I feel like Elizabeth's humility in those moments is what I really desire. And I feel like I've worked a little way towards that in my old age. I'm not very old yet, but <laughs> I'm getting there. Um, but I would love to be that person for someone um, in, their, in their journey where I can be so um, humble and trusting in God's plan for my life and for what's going on. And I still have really big areas in my life right now where I would really love to tell God how to solve them. <laughs> But it, it's, I've learned that to be patient and to, to pray and to trust his word, and we have the, the Bible. I can't, it's just such a gift to be able to open that 
that word every day. And I said to Tom, as I've been doing the Advent journal, oh, there were so many good verses. I wanted to throw them all up on the screen today and, and show you all and prove to you all that God's word is faithful and he, he, he will work out his plan and he will do what he says, just like he did for Elizabeth. But um, my challenge to you is to start opening the Bible regularly. And like one thing you could do this week is open like a Bible gateway or that and put the word humility or humbleness or humble in there and just read all the verses that um, list and talk about humility. And Jesus is our greatest example of humility. He died on a cross. He humbled himself to be a man. And I mean, that it's a great place to start. I have one um, thing just to put up before I pass over to Gail, uh, where I, it's not technically a definition of being humble, but it really spoke to me based on my story. Do you have that, Nathan? Yep. To be humble means having a good knowledge of self, understanding your defects, human limitations, despising no one, seeing everyone as God's creation and not being arrogant or thinking you are better than other people, controlling your anger and frustrations, and living an authentic life according to God's will. And I know we're talking, I know we're two women talking about two women today, but my prayer for everyone here is that, you know, you will be an Elizabeth or a Mary or a Tom or a Ed or a, you know, Danny or a whatever. You can put the name in there and be be humble in what God, who God has made you, knowing that he uses ordinary, humble people to do amazing things. And if he's not using you to do the best thing, he may be using you to encourage someone who's doing the great thing for God. And, and um, given Elizabeth's age, I don't think she saw the end of her story. I think probably I, she was never mentioned again in the Bible. I don't know when she died, how old she was or how old John was, but I'm pretty sure she never got to see John's ministry, Jesus's ministry, the fulfillment of all those promises. But that wasn't important to her. her. The importance was to play her part in the story where she was at. And um, the last thing I will just put up is, that I think I've got it on a slide there, is um, humility and obedience always brings glory to God. It always points attention in the right direction. And for us, that's to Jesus, just like Tom was saying about bringing glory to Christ on this earth. And I feel like Elizabeth did that through her life and then in that amazing unexpected gift that she was given and then by giving her son totally to God to be used was um, pointing all the time to, to God. So I'm going to hand over to Gail. Okay. Thanks, Leanne. Leanne and I did have a really good time reading through um, these women's stories and talking about it and I feel like we learned a lot um, you know, two very unexpected stories of motherhood. And I'm just going to start by telling you an unexpected story of mine. Um, back when I was 27, uh, living in Arkansas, Tom and I had been married for three years at that point, and we knew, we felt a call to have a family. Um, we knew that we were going to, you know, pursue adoption at some point. And um, I love research, so I knew that the average waiting time to adopt a baby was somewhere between two and three years. So I'm a planner, and I thought, well, age 30 sounds great. So we got on it, and we started filling out our paperwork, and we found a Christian agency, and we had our home visit. Um, we had to take a parenting class at the hospital, which we took, um, which was good for me because when I tell you that I knew nothing about babies, I mean, I knew nothing about babies. I never held a baby at 27. I know you probably think that's crazy, but I, we were the youngest in our family, my sister and I. I didn't babysit. 
Um, I know I never held a newborn. I'd never changed a diaper. I knew nothing. And I do remember at this parenting class, um, we had to take a onesie off of a little baby doll. And I pulled the onesie off, and the baby doll's head popped off. <laughs> and it rolled down the table. And these other 10 couples who were all like seven months pregnant and fell off the table. And then the instructor, who thought she, she was whispering to me, I guess, so no one heard, she said, you may want to get the shirts that button down the front for your baby. <laughs> I was like, what? Anyway, but I, uh, I laughed the whole way home. I wasn't worried at all. I had two years to figure it out. It was no problem. I was not concerned. You know, I, I'll, I'm a procrastinator too, so I wasn't worried. Um, come two months later, I'm at work in my office, and the secretary said, um, Becky from our adoption agency was on the phone. My heart did not flutter. I did not get a butterfly. I figured something wasn't notarized. We need another copy of something. And I picked up the phone in my office, and she said, um, great news. Somebody picked you, and they're seven and a half months pregnant, and they're due in two to three weeks. And I just really don't remember much after that. I do remember um, not doing much work. I think I just stared at my calendar. I looked at three weeks for a while. Um, and I drove home. I stopped at Walmart, which when you live in Arkansas is what you do. You stop at Walmart. I stopped in Walmart, and I walked down the baby aisle, and I thought, I'll just buy bottles. That would be, like, first thing on my checklist. And I looked at all the bottles. I mean... So many bottles, so many sizes of different nipple holes, so many cleansing options for bottles, inserts and liners that could go in bottles. And I, I started to go into a complete and total panic and stone cold realized I, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't even know how to, I don't even know how to feed a baby. <laughs> and uh, I just started crying in Walmart. That's another thing you do when you live in Arkansas, you cry in Walmart. <laughs> but... Um, I'm just going to kind of leave that story there. And if, you know, uh, you're worried about Jake's survival, you should be. It's fine. <laughs> and if you're, maybe you're thinking, maybe there was another baby before Jake <laughs> that had an unfortunate onesie removal incident. But I'm just going to leave you in suspense there at Walmart, and we'll circle around back to that. Um, the thing that amazes me about Mary is that she did not sob in Walmart. And uh, we're just going to revisit a couple of the um, scriptures from Mary's part of the story. Um, so, Nate, if you can put up 34 and 35. There, great. Um, so Mary gets visited by an angel, and she really only has one follow-up question. How will this be, um, since I'm a virgin? And Gabriel says, the Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will call the Son of God. Um, I don't think that would be enough information for me. <laughs> I, that kind of sounds pretty terrifying, actually, and scary and mysterious. Um, you know, it's a big mystery. And then, thank goodness, the angel continues. Nate, if you could put that on. And the angel says, even Elizabeth, your relative is going to have a child in her old age, and she who is said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. And um, I think, you know, the, the answer to her question initially is 
is mysterious and it, it really doesn't have the details. But when he gets to no word from God will ever fail, I think that's where Mary kind of hangs her hat at this point and says, um, I, I trust that God, uh, however it's going to happen, I may not know the details, but no word from God will ever fail. And she's able then to say, I'm your servant. May the, your word to me be fulfilled. Um, you know, as Leanne just mentioned, we think she was about 13. So this wasn't a confidence in her skills, in her life skills, in her age. She was young. It wasn't a confidence um, in her circumstances. At this point, you know, she doesn't know how her family is going to react to this news. She doesn't know how her fiancé is going to react to this news. Um, I think as Tom mentioned last week in the message, you know, according to the Jewish law, of which she was very familiar, she could be stoned for being um, pregnant outside of marriage. So she had no reason at all to be confident in her circumstances. She said yes when she didn't know how it was going to work out because she believed God would keep his promises. Um, and then I think he mentions Elizabeth in there, and it seems a little random, but I think there is um, a very intentional purpose in naming Elizabeth. She, she's... Um, He's letting her know that there's someone else that's had this similar experience. There's someone else out there that um, is going through this with you, and that's no accident to know that. Um, and I love that after she said, may your word be fulfilled, that then the angel left her. I, I, this is just my thought, but I feel like he would have stayed as long as it took for her to feel confident. And he waited until she felt that kind of confidence, and then the angel left. Um, I was really... Um, I think Mary's response is so beautiful. It's a little difficult for me to relate to that kind of confidence, and it made me think about another um, character in the Bible, another person of the Bible, Moses, um, who I feel like I can relate to a little bit more. Um, and we're going to look in a minute at parts of Exodus 3 and 4, which is Moses' story. Um, I'm just going to kind of summarize it because it's a long passage, but um, in this story. God does not speak to Moses through an angel, but it's through a burning bush, the famous burning bush, and he doesn't hear the voice of an angel. He hears the voice of God directly to him, and um, he basically, God tells Moses, look, I've heard the prayers of my people in Israel. They're in slavery, and I've heard their cries, and I'm going to release them, and I want you to go to Pharaoh, and you're going to tell him to let my people go. Um, so I think, actually, Nate, we have the first question of Moses. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God has long responses to all these questions. I'm going to summarize them. He just said, I will be with you. I, the God of the universe, I will go with you. And I love it because Moses asks another question. We'll put the next one up. He says, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, what is his name? Then what will I tell him? And God says, I'm the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. Tell them I am has sent you. And, and he, um, you know, just really bolsters Moses up. I'm going to be there. Tell him I am sent you. But Moses just keeps going, and he asks, what if they don't believe me or listen to me and say the Lord did not appear to you? And God tells him to take his staff and throw it on the ground. It turns into a snake, and he says, pick it back up, and it becomes a staff again. And he has him put his arm in his robe and take it out, and it's covered in leprosy, and put it back in. And when he takes it out, it's, it's clear. And he said, I will, I'll give you these miracles 
you can show the people um, that I'm with you. You can do these miracles. But Moses just keeps going. Pardon your servant, Lord. I have never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I'm slow of speech and tongue. And God says, who made man's mouth? Wasn't it me? I, I'm going to give you the words to speak. I'm going, I'm going to be there. And finally, Moses says, pardon your servant, Lord. Please send someone else. And I just, I love it. And I, I really relate more to Moses. I have a lot of follow-up questions. I like all the, all the details. Um, I like to know what's, what's happening. Um, I mean, Moses does get to the point of obedience. When God says, send someone, someone else, he says, well, what about your, um, your brother Aaron? He's a great speaker, and in fact, he's on his way to meet you, and you can go together. And he provides Moses with what he needs to get the mission of God accomplished. Um, and that's, that's uh, more where I am <laughs> most of the time. Um, I think, you know, today we don't hear God's voice through angels, typically, or through burning bushes. We tend to hear God's voice, that small prodding of God's voice um, through the Holy Spirit, through reading the Bible, through other people around us. Um, we, we hear those calls to reach out to someone that's struggling to join a small group, to lead a small group, to um, serve in some way, to give generously to someone in a meaningful way. These are the, the, the small calls that God gives us every day. And I think even with those small calls, we still have our, our kind of Moses questions. You know, who am I to do that? Who am I to run a small group? Who am I to um, serve in that way or to be up front? Or, um, you know, a lot of times I think I'll hear God speaking to me about reaching out to someone, and I'll just think, I don't really know that person. That'd be weird. <laughs> I don't want to do that. Uh, if I reached out to them, that would be weird. But if God is telling us to do something, it, you know, we need to have that confidence that it's going to work out. Um, you know, another Moses question is, well, send someone else. Someone else should do it. But I feel like usually if God's kind of put that on our heart and mind that something needs to be done, it's, it's probably us. We're probably the ones that need to do it. Um, so, you know, whether we're a, a Mary who is just like right in at the beginning in, in humble faith that God's going to work through it, or whether we're a Moses who needs um, a little bit more help, God is going to provide that for us. He's going to meet us in our doubt and um, find a way to reassure us. And, you know, it, it doesn't say it specifically, but in the passage about Mary and Elizabeth, um, the ga that Gabriel mentioned Elizabeth was pregnant. And then a little further down, it says, Mary got ready and hurried to Elizabeth. I mean, basically ran there. And I, I can t completely understand that. She was looking for someone who, who else on the planet was also visited by an angel and was going through the same thing. She ran to someone who had a similar experience. God gave Moses Aaron. He gave Elizabeth to Mary. When Jesus sent the disciples out, he sent them out in pairs. Um, God provides for us, but he provides people around for us, too. Um, so now we're going to go back to Walmart and me crying in Walmart. And I did remember at, in those moments that we had felt a call to parenthood. 
we felt that God wanted us to have a family. This was not the timeline that I thought it would happen, but um, I knew God was in it. And um, I think back to this time, and it is really incredible when I write all this out, but at that time I remembered that in the middle of the country, in Arkansas, far away from my home, I had met a woman at church, and she she was a Christian, she loved Jesus, she had the exact same kidney birth defect that I had that impeded her from carrying children. She was a pediatrician, so she knew a little bit more than I did about um, babies. <laughs> and she and her husband had, had already adopted three children. They were raising three children, and she had a lot of experience. So I, I drove home from Walmart, um, and I called her, and in two days she took me to Walmart, and she filled my cart, and she said, you can buy these cheap bottles and these diapers and, and these things, and this is all you need, and I will help you, and I will help you. And I needed it because, as I mentioned before, I really knew nothing about babies. <laughs> um, but, you know, she, she gave me a lot of, um, of strength and help that I truly needed, and there are so many other times in my life not about unexpected pregnancy or or motherhood, but just times where God's called me to do something. He's always provided me teams or partners or other people who feel that the same call to do something, and I'm so thankful for that. Um, We're kind of famous around here for saying that everyone has at least one gift um, that they need, that they are compelled to use for God's glory, to build the kingdom, to build the community, and, you know, I just want to encourage you to think about that that small voice of God calling you to use your gift. And I'm going to put up our website, which is thecrossroadct.info. There's actually a serving opportunities part to that site. So, you know, if you're thinking, you know, maybe I haven't really been, I'm not serving anywhere. I'm I'm thinking God might be speaking to me that I need to stretch myself and and serve in his bigger plan in some way. That might be a good way to start. Um, But when God calls you, whether you're Moses and, or whether you're Mary and you're jumping right in, he's going to, we need to get to that place of obedience, and then he's, he's going to meet us there. Um, Mary responded in humility, not on her own skill set or her own talents, but because she knew God would do it. Um, you know, maybe um, you're thinking, I don't even know what I think about Jesus right now <laughs> or God, and maybe, um, you know, for you, maybe the work is just to think about humbly asking God, you know, to consider that maybe you need you need God that we have you, there's a space in your life for God that um, that you wanna you can't do it all by yourself that you might need Him. Um, I'm gonna put up our main idea one more time. The role God gives us in His story will always stretch us in a way that requires us to rely on Him and His people and humility. If we could do it on our own, if we could accomplish it on our own, it wouldn't be God's story. So I just want to encourage you, you have a part in God's story, in your work, in your school, in your home, in your neighborhood, here at Crossroads. And, um, you know, if you, if you don't listen to it and step out, you're just going gonna to miss out on um, what only God could do. Thanks.